0: From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on air. Does depression differ in people who have a cancer diagnosis? And what about in loved ones who are caring for someone with cancer? Today, we'll talk with the primary psychologist at the Upstate Cancer Center. His name is Dr. Jeffrey Schweitzer, and he's a licensed clinical psychologist within the Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation at Upstate Medical University. And he's here in the studio with me today. Thank you for being here.
1: Well, thank you for inviting me, Amber, and thank you, everyone, for listening today. Uh, Today, I want to talk about cancer-related depression, and I really want to hit on six main points. Uh, The first is that persons with cancer are at a higher risk for depression. Second...
0: Wait, they are. Let me interrupt you on on those. uh So they they are. If you get a diagnosis of cancer, your chances of developing depression are higher?
1: Yes, higher than the the general population, uh, persons not diagnosed with cancer.
0: Is it a depression that's um, different in some way from depression, just regular depression?
1: Um, It's not different. Uh, The symptoms are the same. Um, So that's a a good place to start is, you know, when we say depression, what do we mean by that? So what I mean specifically is an episode of major depression, um, also referred to as major depressive disorder. Okay. Okay. In order to be diagnosed with major depressive disorder, someone needs to exhibit five or more of these symptoms uh, most of the day, most days, over at least a two-week period. So they need to be experiencing a depressed mood or decreased pleasure or interest in most of the activities uh, for most of the day, nearly every day, that they previously took interest in, that they previously enjoyed, like hiking, kayaking, um, a depressed person might come in and say, "You know, I used to love to do those things, but I just don't love to do it anymore. You know, I I have scant motivation even to to get up and make a meal for myself."
0: So it's way beyond just feeling sad.
1: Yes, uh, much different than sadness. Okay, um, and it is, it is, uh, common, uh, for persons diagnosed with cancer to be, uh, to experience depression, to be diagnosed with a major depressive disorder. Um, on average, about two to three out of 10 persons diagnosed with cancer, uh, will experience these symptoms.
0: Huh? Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yes. So, um, those who don't experience these what of what if, what do they know that we can learn from how do you get through cancer without a depressive episode
1: well um i, I so for the the majority of people uh they do get do get through this you know, really stressful and emotionally laden experience uh without uh, becoming depressed that being said it's very common for these other folks to experience sadness and dysphoria. Um, you know, that's something that they may expen- experience for minutes, hours, um, or episodically over the course of days and weeks. Uh, it's a very normal reaction to the diagnosis of cancer, which for many people represents a, a mortal threat. Um, beyond that, uh, another very common reaction is, is almost a, a grief response. Um, A grief response that looks very much like depression uh, in that there's shock and disbelief initially. Um, In some cases, denial, um, which I I will add can be very adaptive because it gives folks time to to process the reality of this medical situation. Um, Also, they can experience sadness and crying. In some cases, despair, sleep problems, loss of appetite. Fear, nervousness, worry about the future, um, even feelings of guilt. You know, for example, if someone you know has the role of provider for their family and they're diagnosed with cancer, knowing that they're going to have to be engaging in treatment, and could not necessarily go to work, that could bring on feelings of guilt. Um, so putting all these things together, um, that comprises a, a grief reaction. You know, which is for most a matter of course and the emotional adjustment to a diagnosis like this.
0: And we're talking about the person who gets the diagnosis but some of what you said strikes me that it could apply to the spouse or partner or child. or.
1: Yes, um, absolutely. So uh, a diagnosis of cancer affects the whole family, not just the person diagnosed. Uh, There are a couple of, of studies out there Um, that looked more closely at this, particularly with female partners of men diagnosed with prostate cancer. And what they found is that uh, the the female partners or spouses actually experience more distress than the men themselves. Uh, In some cases, uh, twice the rate of major depressive disorder, which we've talked about or generalized anxiety disorder, as compared to community counterparts in the general population. Uh, 36% of these women reported mild to moderate anxiety. Um, So it is important also to to focus on how partners and and spouses are responding to the diagnosis, how they're coping with it, uh, because they too need support. Now, uh, another study showed that the best way to buffer against uh, depression and, and poor emotional adjustment in families is open and direct emotional communication and also problem solving, particularly in the early stages of diagnosis and treatment. Um, you know, so for family members, uh, not just to be talking about the facts of, of the diagnosis, what they heard from the doctors, but also how they're feeling about all that. You know, that that they're feeling scared, perhaps sad, even angry, about the circumstances. Just for them to be able to openly communicate about those things can prevent that from turning into a depression, turning into anxiety. Uh, isolating family members from one another. And it can also really empower them uh, to work together to problem solve through the myriad of challenges that are likely to arise.
0: Let me ask you, because you mentioned a lot of the sort of feelings a person might have, is it common to have um, a day where you feel nothing but anger about the situation, but then another day where you're not angry, you're, you're sad. Yes. Does
1: it vacillate between? It it, it does. It does. Uh, And, and that tends to be more typical of the grief response that we were talking about earlier. One way that I uh, differentiate uh, a grief response from uh, more of a a depressive response or or major depressive disorder is that grief tends to come in waves. Um, You know, the listeners out out there if, if you've ever lost someone I, I think you can identify with what I'm saying you know that a common phrase is you have your good days and you have your bad days and the same that can hold true with the, the cancer diagnosis is it can come in waves whereas with someone who's depressed they're feeling that way most of the day every day and it, it's just not going away
0: all right, you're listening to Upstate's Health Link on air. I'm your host Amber Smith, and I'm talking with Dr. Jeffrey Schweitzer. He's the primary psychologist at the Upstate Cancer Center, and we're talking about depression uh, in cancer. So, um, how do you go about treating depression in someone who has cancer? Is it treated differently than someone who does not have cancer?
1: Uh, it is. Mostly not treated differently. Um, the one, one caveat is that uh, if, if the doctor and, and person decide to go the course of pharmacotherapy uh, like through a cancer depression, then you know, there are some that may be counterindicated depending on the person's type of cancer and the kind of cancer treatment that they're receiving, because uh, it can kind of work against the, the effectiveness of okay. the treatment. Uh, particularly with breast cancer, so always, always important to have that conversation with your physician mm-hmm. or oncologist.
0: Well, let's talk about the impact of depression on cancer. Sure. Um, what do What do you see with Is there an effect?
1: Yes, um, you know there are very significant effects. Um, first, in terms of deterioration of quality of life. Now, which you can probably imagine as I described the, the symptoms, uh, one of which is anhedonia or the loss of pleasure in the, the things that mm-hmm. one previously took pleasure in. Um, so with that, there's a, a decrease in mood and also that someone who's depressed is less likely to engage in those kinds of activities because of the, the waning motivation Um, So that can further uh, depress the mood and also detract from quality of life. Um, Also, we find that there tends to be a a reduced adherence to treatment um, for a a similar reason, because there's a a low motivation. In some cases, uh, people may be experiencing anxiety in combination with the depressed mood, uh, which kind of turns up the, the volume on the, the fear response and, and some of the, the worried thoughts they may have about treatment and also just the, the general distress one may experience from treatment side effects um, and not wanting to, to feel any worse. Um, also, more recently, you know, there's a body of research that's showing that folks demonstrate a poorer response to treatment. You know, why that is, we, we don't know. Right so now. if
0: you're depressed mm-hmm. and um, and un, untreated for the depression, I assume if if you're really yes. suffering from depression and not really um, getting relief in any way, it can have an impact on the care you're getting or how well it works for yes. your cancer.
1: How well it wow. works for sure. Um, you know there are systematic studies out there that compare uh, a group with depression versus a control group without depression and. Uh, demonstrate a poor response with the depressed
0: group. Does that surprise you at all? Uh,
1: It, it doesn't. Um, It it does make sense in terms of uh, the behavioral consequences that we just discussed. You know, I I am familiar with the pattern of depressed people, um, you know, really getting shut down. So it makes sense they would be less likely to, to show up for treatment or show up at, consistently for treatment. Um, but it, it does seem like there may be a, a biochemical component, you know, some, some kind of physiological component uh, that may be affecting these outcomes as well. Um, relatedly, other studies are, are showing that uh, depressed folks have elevated mortality um, that's predicted by a diagnosis of major depressive disorder and also, you know, these folks are showing uh, poorer adjustment overall and are at higher risk for suicide.
0: Wow. Well, what advice, um, aside from medication, we mentioned that a little bit, but what advice do you have for, for what can be done to ease depression during cancer, it, whether in the patient or the caregivers?
1: Sure. And I think it, it all starts with your support network, Um there's a whole other body of research that shows that, that having, um, having quality supports uh, during illness, during cancer specifically, helps the overall adjustment. You know, it can help from a medical standpoint. It can help from a psychological standpoint. Um, and, you know, kind of similar to, to your question before, it, it's not exactly clear why that is, but we know that it works. So I encourage the listeners stay connected to your supports,
0: and that would be your family, your friends, yes, your neighbors,
1: exactly. Um,
0: but does that extend to caregivers like yourself? I mean, if you have a therapist or you have a care team that you see regularly for your cancer care, those people are part of your support too, right?
1: Absolutely, yes. And important to also rely on your your, treat, your team. Um, you know your medical doctors your your primary care physician your oncologists you know all all people who are involved in your medical care um, to talk with them also about any emotional symptoms any psychological symptoms you know how how you're experiencing the diagnosis and if you're finding that it's it's too overwhelming, it's too much, you know, you're you're engaging in that open emotional communication with family, friends, community. You're actively problem solving with them and your doctors, and you're still feeling down, uh, then it may be time uh, to talk with someone like myself.
0: Okay, where do you start the conversation? How do you how do you begin a relationship with someone who's just received a cancer diagnosis? Uh,
1: I always start by, by normalizing what they're experiencing. Um, I, I start by acknowledging that at best, cancer is tremendously stressful, not just for you, but for your, your family, your loved ones. And at worst, it can be life-threatening, Life altering, uh, traumatic, and um, everyone falls somewhere on the spectrum. And uh, that I I take for granted that they have a a number of strengths and coping skills. It's important for me to know that. It's important for me to know what is working and also to, to understand better, you know. What's, what's not working you know I'm there there are some limitations that brought you here to me today right. um, so my goal is to understand not just your, your problems but understand your strengths too understand you as a person and understand the, the context in which you're experiencing these symptoms so we can work together as a, a team to get you some relief and uh, a feeling of, of well-being
0: well. Well, it's good to know that this is uh, available here at the Upstate Cancer Center. I'm glad to know that you uh, are willing to come in and talk about this as well.
1: Sure, Thank we're located you. on the, the third floor of the Cancer Center in the multidisciplinary suite. Um, and uh, if anyone would be interested in coming in for a, a conversation, a consultation about what they're experiencing, uh, we can be contacted at 315-464-3510. And just express that you'd like to meet with Dr. Schweitzer. And typically I could get you in with one to two within one to two weeks.
0: Wonderful. Good to know. My guest has been the Upstate Cancer Center's licensed clinical psychologist, Dr. Jeffrey Schweitzer. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, Health Link on Air.